Good morning. Welcome to our daily podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at the church, and glad to have you here with us on this Friday. Uh, Very soon, we're going to be pivoting this podcast thread to a new one. Uh, It's going to be called Renewing the Center. It'll be facilitated by uh, Karen, my wife, she and I, and we're going to be focusing on the renewal person and work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be using biblical reflections very similar to what we've done here thus far at the Trinity thread, Uh, but then we're going to be in enfolding into that some daily practices some opportunities every week to pull a practice of silence or lectio prayer of examine into your own personal life and begin to learn to grow in those areas super excited about what god's doing but today let's read from john 4 uh, beginning in verse 46 this is the second sign of jesus in the gospel of john and then we'll pray and we'll spend just a few minutes here at the beginning of our friday thinking about the word of god together the bible says then he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had changed the water into wine. Now there was a royal official whose son lay ill in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And then Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my little boy dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started on his way. As he was going down, his slaves met him and told him that his child was alive. So he asked them the hour when he began to recover. And they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he himself believed, along with his whole household. Now this was the second sign that Jesus did after coming from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Bible. God, we thank you for uh, the truth that, that we see in these signs of Jesus. I pray today specifically that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart that's open enough to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've spent any amount of time with me uh, as a pastor listening to me teach and preach, those of you who are part of Trinity have heard me go on and on about the seven signs of Jesus. This passage, among others, in the first half of John's gospel are some of the most meaningful in my own life with God. So I get very excited whenever these come up in the daily lectionary. And if you're not familiar with how we choose our our texts, uh, the passages that we read on our daily lectionary just correspond to the offerings in the daily office or the daily lectionary that you see in the Book of Common Prayer. So whenever I see one of them come up in a moment like this, I'm super excited. So as the text says, this is the second sign of Jesus. Uh, He's just returned from uh, and to the scene of the first sign, which uh, was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. So in this little village, his first two signs take place, a very tiny village. So let's just walk through it. Um, Signs are meant to teach us two things, truth about God, truth about people. So you're going to see here something that, that you'll, you'll know there's something here about God that I need to believe. And then you're going to see an invitation for how humans are supposed to interact with their need and with God. So signs teach in two directions, God and people, God and people. So keep that in mind. So here's the story. A man approaches Jesus. He asked Jesus to come and heal his son. And we're told that this man is a government official. He's an offer, officer uh, connected to Herod. Um, there's no indication that the man approaches Jesus with an understanding of who Jesus is. I, I think the guy had heard that Jesus was capable of working miracles, and he approaches Jesus as a last-ditch effort, just asking Jesus to save his son. And that's got me to thinking about something really important. 
this man is aware of his need and the fact that he cannot meet his need in his own strength. His son is sick. He can't do a thing about it. All of his power, all of his money, all of his position, nothing, none of that's going to help him. So he's aware of his need and he's aware that he can't meet his need. If there's an invitation in a story like this for people, it's to become aware of our neediness and our inability to meet all of our needs. John Ortberg in his book, Soul Keeping, says, among other things, it is the nature of the soul to need. The man is not ashamed of his neediness. He comes to Jesus. So not only is he aware of his need, he has a sense that Jesus may be able to do something about that need. So he acknowledges in the hope that God's going to actually meet him. And I believe that there's a real invitation here for us that until we come to the end of ourselves, we're never going to receive and we won't be regularly those who receive what God has to offer us. If we're honest, probably like this fellow, we do everything within our power not to come to the end of ourselves. I mean, this guy probably tried everything. But then he got to the point where he thought, I've tried it all. I might as well go and ask God for help. And I think this speaks to me about my own and my own life, the condition of my own soul, that I try to insulate myself from neediness uh, as much as I can. I, I look to other people for approval and satisfaction. I try to be satisfied by people. But what happens when you try all that and it doesn't work? I think this season for many of us is an invitation for us to come to the end of ourselves. And it's my conviction that once we come to the end of ourselves, once we're able to admit our need without shame, be honest, I believe that we'll meet Jesus in less filtered ways, less ambiguous ways. So Jesus says to the man, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. There, there's a hint of frustration in Jesus because no doubt people are receiving him for superficial reasons. People are coming to Jesus for all the wrong reasons. They like the powerful things he's capable of doing. Jesus is frustrated. People have a tendency, people like me have a tendency to simply admire Jesus because he's powerful, but not think about the fact that he's inviting me to meet him in a relationship. So Jesus kind of bumps this guy. And I would say to you that if you don't have a theology for God bumping up against you and kind of nudging you or knocking you back a little, you need to modify your theology. Jesus is testing this guy. He's bumping him. But what does the guy do? We're told that he persists. He's unwilling to be bumped off his mark. He leans in. He really wants his son to be healed, and he really believes that Jesus may be willing to do something. See, in this moment of persistence, this man proves to himself and to God that he's not looking for a show. He wants his son to live. This guy doesn't even, though, have an informed faith. He simply has a need and a, a sense that maybe Jesus could do something about it. So what happens? Does Jesus walk home with him and preach sermons and teach him all about Christianity and then heal his son? No, he tells him to go home. He says, go home, your son will live. What Jesus is looking for in this man, and I believe what he's looking for in you and me, is a response of faith and belief, even when we're under stress. See, the man was under a great deal of stress. He was in grief. He was out of his comfort zone. He was asking for help, which was probably not something he was accustomed to doing. And Jesus essentially says to him, I want you to turn around and take steps of faith. 
before you have evidence that something good has occurred. See, Jesus was inviting the man to move, to move first, to proceed, to go home, believing as if God were good. Go home. Take a step. And y'all, this is unavoidable. This is an unavoidable invitation from God as we live our lives, even when we're underwater, even when we're in stress. Jesus will occasionally ask us for a response of faith and belief. He will ask us to move before we have evidence that the problem is solved. So what does the guy do? Does he say, no, I'm not moving unless you come with me or give me an assurance? Nope. The man begins a long journey home. He leaves at the word of Jesus, even though there's no tangible evidence of a miracle. He believes Jesus without demanding a sign. He just turns and believes. He was willing to go home. He was willing once again to turn his face toward the pain, toward the need. Because if you think about it, turning to go home meant he was turning his nose toward the need, toward the pain. He was willing to do that, but this time he was hoping that God would be there when he got there, that God was present. So the next day, the text says he was met by his servants who tell him that his child had recovered. And he asked, well, when did it happen? And then he puts the dots together and realized that his son had been cured probably at the moment of his turning. So I just want to put this in front of you. Um, I want you to think about what this healing means. I think that this healing means a few things for us. And I just want to share what I think it means. I think this man believed that Jesus was not up for just doing a miracle for the sake of doing a miracle. Uh, That Jesus wants to see if people will move toward him in faith. I believe that this man realized that Jesus wanted him to learn how to walk before he had all the answers in hand. And I think that's one of the big challenges for us right now. Will we walk before we have clarity? Will we walk? Will we step out? Will we act in faith even when we don't have all the answers in hand? And then I think thirdly, this guy understood and this miracle teaches us that the words of Jesus carry great power. I will say this just here at the very end. I've seen Jesus heal people. And and I don't just mean uh, emotional healing. I, I've seen physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. I've seen it too many times to not believe that Jesus' words still carry power. God wants you and me to be the kinds of people who believe that the words of Jesus are not just soothing, comforting truth words, but that they're also powerful words. The same voice of God, the same voice of Jesus that healed this man's son is the same voice that can speak healing into your life and into the lives of people around you. And so I encourage you today to pray about your need and pain and to pray about the need and pain of the pe- in the people around you in Jesus' name, asking him to heal, asking him to intervene, because I believe that our God is a God who works miracles, especially when we ask him. May God bless you. May the power of Jesus be on your lips today. In Jesus' name, amen.